to Sunday night's Longhorn live stream brought to you by the Cross Oak Group. I'm Bobby Burton alongside Rod Babers and Jerry Hamilton here to talk a little Longhorn football and recruiting news and notes. Uh, crazy weekend in the Big 12. I tell you what, it was a backup quarterback de jour. Uh, mm-hmm. Avery Johnson, listen to this, Rod and Jerry. Avery Johnson of Kansas State, the backup to Will Howard rushes for five touchdowns against Texas Tech last night. Uh, the K-State Wildcats now look like, ha- look like they have a little uh, wild card uh, in them. 38-21 uh, to 21 over Texas Tech. Tech had no chance. Tech lost, by the way, uh, Baron Morton's. Uh, Baron Morton's during the game. Uh, wow. He did not play at all in the second half. His backup threw three picks in the second half. I watched that game on tape, not tape delay, on DVR this afternoon. Uh, Jerry and Rob, what else did y'all see from from uh, the weekend's games in the Big Twelve and elsewhere? Uh, it's well, hard to be it's hard to be Mike Gundy at home as a as an as a home underdog. I'll tell you that. Even if you can't name half his players. <laughs> I'll, give it, I'll give it a random stat. He's won nine of the last ten games as a home underdog. I'm not a betting man, but I just go, I know that stat. Dude, he's don't bet against him at home as a dog. I'll just throw it out there. But the big twelve is where you're right about the backup quarterback thing, though, Bobby. Remember last season, every team in the Big 12 had to use a backup quarterback, except for I think it was actually Iowa State. They were the only team that didn't have a quarterback that played every game. If you ain't got your backup quarterback situation settled, then you're doing yourself a disservice. The truth is, um, and in, in any level of football, NFL too, go look at the NFL as well. Um, if you got to have your, your insurance policy and, and everything in our life that's valuable, we have insurance on, right? Our life, our house, our health, right? And the backup quarterback position is insurance. So if you ain't got insurance on the most valuable position in football, which is back, it's quarterback, then you're doing yourself a disservice. So it's going to be tested at one point. Hopefully I'm knocking on wood here. For quarterback, it won't be tested, but most of the years it is at some point. Well, but first of all, that's going to be one hell of a read for an, the next insurance person. Uh, that wants to sponsor. <laughs> um, second, I mean, look, second year in a row that uh, Sonny Dykes picked the wrong quarterback and they got better after the first team went out. It's going to turn out because Josh Hoover fits the scheme better. He played in that scheme in high school. Josh Hoover's high school coach at Rockwall Heath was Art Bryles' roommate at University. And, hey, I got to give a shout-out to Matt Brown for the season North Carolina's having. I mean, look, Mario Cristobal's a good coach with a great smile, but I had to show him how to take a knee to win a game. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully Mario left uh, Chapel Hill and learned a little something about football. (laughs) <laughs> Jerry, Jerry, Burke. B plus, B plus, Jerry, your Mac Brown impression. I like it. B plus. There you go. All right, hey guys. Uh, Texas also put out a uh, Texas coaches were on the road this week, uh, and uh, we saw pics of uh, Steve Sarkeesian. I think it was at Duncanville on Friday, Jerry, or, or on Thursday. I can't remember which. And then out in California last night or night before last, uh, watching Modern Day, uh, Brandon Baker, DeAndre Carter. Uh, what are, what's the latest? I think Texas offered a couple of new 25s uh, over the weekend, like on Friday, Saturday, but then they offered a new 2024 wide receiver earlier today. Tell us, uh, update folks on him. Yeah, good and good and bad luck uh, for me on this one. Isaiah Williams, 
Uh, wide receiver, Florida commitment, four-star out of Carrollwood Day, same high school as Solomon Williams. They're not related to each other. Uh, crazy thing is when I went down to Carrollwood Day that day, I went down there with a colleague, Keith Niebuhr, who obviously covers Florida. He interviewed Isaiah Williams. I interviewed Solomon Williams. Um, we didn't get to watch practice that day because lightning. So it was just one of those South Florida crazy rain lightning days. They ended up being in the weight room instead. At that time, Texas uh, had not made contact with Isaiah Williams. Uh, but the story is I talked to Isaiah Williams. So, again, four-star wide receiver commitment out of Carrollwood Day in Tampa. Texas offered him about 2 p.m. today. I talked to him at about 6.05, 6.10. A uh, few things there. Um, when I called, I was like, a 210 area code. Hold on. San Antonio. Well, he lived in Santa. He was born in St. Louis, where his father is from. His father was an all-Big 12 defensive end for Bill Snyder, Kansas State, in 02 on those really good K-State teams, fifth-round draft pick. So Rod Babers played against his dad. Well, I didn't play against him, played against the K-State teams. Uh, Melvin Williams, because Rod will remember those K-State teams are oh, yeah, really man. good on defense now. Huh. Um, so his dad, Melvin Williams, played a few years in the NFL. Uh, but Isaiah Williams told me he grew up liking two schools, Texas and Florida. And he was very excited that Texas offered. Pete Kwiatkowski was at Carrollwood Day Friday to see Solomon Williams, stopped by the school. Um, at that time, he told the head coach, Marshall McDuffie of Carrollwood Day, that, look, Texas has real interest in Isaiah Williams. They love his senior film. Um, and so they have real, real, real interest. And that was in the early afternoon. Then after the game, uh, Carrollwood Day won big. Um, that uh, Kwiatkowski relayed to uh, the head coach that uh, Texas was most likely going to offer Isaiah Williams. Then today, Chris Jackson calls Isaiah Williams and offers him. And I'll say this, I'll be surprised um, if Isaiah doesn't take an official visit to Texas. I I, I will. Um, he picked Florida over Miami at the time. Uh, he's a kid who missed the majority of his junior year with a broken collarbone. So his recruitment was a little bit lagged behind some others. Uh, he'd run 10-9 as a sophomore. He's faster than that now. If you've watched the tape, all, sometimes it's hard to tell. But living in Florida, those kids play on grass. you got to factor in the grass versus the sport turf there. Um, he looks like a kid that will run 10-8. Uh, people are asking, does this offer have anything to do with Wingo? It does not. Him and Wingo are two totally different wide receivers. Um, that, that's that's all I'll say to that. If Texas misses out on Wingo, that, 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 they're going to the portal at that position. Uh, this is a t different offer, different player within the scheme. But I think Texas has a shot here. Uh, you got to get him on campus. Um, but I, I suspect he'll take an official visit to Texas. They have not talked date yet. All right, uh, guys, uh, we've got a lot of stuff to get through tonight. I want to talk a little bit more uh, about the Texas game, upcoming, upcoming game against the Houston Cougars. Cougars won on a last-second Hail Mary on Friday night, or excuse me, third of Thursday night over West Virginia. Uh, there's a full slate, guys, of Big 12 games this weekend. All 14 teams in action. No bye weeks or off weeks. Uh, they're uh, rolling that list off uh, as we talk about them. Baylor goes to Cincinnati. The Bears are just – I mean, I, I don't know what they're doing right now. I don't think Cincinnati knows either. Uh, that's that's probably the, uh, the, the positive for Baylor in that one. Central Florida uh, goes to OU. Uh, Oklahoma should be a heavy favorite. I know they are. Uh, this is turning into an interesting one here. Oklahoma State goes to West Virginia. Who would have thought those two teams only had one conference loss at this point in the, the season? 
Texas obviously going to U of H uh, on Saturday. Oklahoma, uh, uh, Texas Tech goes to BYU. No, no clue yet as whether or not Baron Morton is going to be able to play for Texas Tech. And then TCU, uh, a rejuvenated T- TCU takes on a rejuvenated Kansas State. That's, that's, actually, that's actually a tremendous game in the Big 12. Um, that's at that's in Manhattan, Kansas, yeah. by the way, guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, th- that's actually turned into a very interesting game uh, because of that quarterback run game with Avery Johnson, I'm sure, who we'll get into, yeah. uh, who ran for five touchdowns against Texas Tech. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, look, it's the um, the one team that's reeling right now is Texas Tech, though. I mean, that that's the – if you look at it, that's the team that's reeling in the Big 12 right now because two quarterback injuries um, – you know, at BYU, BYU, that's a bad week to play in Provo. They're coming off an embarrassing mm-hmm. loss in Fort Worth. Yep. And now they're home for for Texas Tech, and you have to play. The good news for Tech is they've already played in that altitude once this year. Maybe not the, quite the same, but they were in altitude, um, and it didn't go so well. Yeah, uh, in, in Laramie, Wyoming. Yeah. yeah. Hey, so, yeah guys, yeah. I want to say thank you to our one in, in altitude this year. Yep. I want to say thank you to our sponsor real quick on Sunday night. Uh, the Sunday Night Live stream is brought to you guys by the Cross Oak Group. Cross Oak is one of the leading government affairs firms in Texas, specializing in lobbying, political communications, business development, and regulatory compliance. These days, government finds ways to impact nearly every aspect of your business. With decades of experience ranging from the State House to the White House, Cross Oak Group helps its clients hedge risk and protect and grow their bottom lines. To learn more, go to www dot crossoakgroup.com uh, we appreciate them for their sponsorship each and every sunday evening of the live stream uh, guys we've got some questions coming in i'm going to get to a couple of those ne- next uh also want to get y'all's thoughts on the washington oregon game as well as i gotta ask you this one the aggies go up to, to knoxville and lay an egg <laughs> jimbo yeah. jimbo needs some offensive lessons and it may not be from bobby petrino apparently because they can't move the ball to save their necks. And, now, and it's not like Tennessee's good at defense. I mean, let's yeah. be clear. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I, I think Tennessee's been good at home, right? By the way, Chuck Mason, interesting. So cousin of the new uh, Texas offer, Isaiah Williams. There you go. Um, that's Whoa. good info, Chuck. Nice. So, yeah, Chuck, you can break all the news on the live stream. <laughs> I'm, I'm like out that. now. I can just talk football. <laughs> um, I, thank you, Chuck. Um, yeah, nice. I think uh, – look. Well, Bryce Anderson didn't play in that game, and that has no – I mean, that didn't have any bearing on why they lost. But Tennessee's been good at home this year. They've got Georgia at home in a few weeks, so we'll see how good. Um, but, look, a and has a tremendous defensive line. They're attack dogs on that defensive line. Outside of that, it's been rough. I mean, it's been rough. They can't they can't run the ball well enough, and Le'Veon Ross, Moss is a really good player at running back. Um, but offensive line struggles. Max Johnson got smoked in that game. I mean, he's a tough guy because he was getting smoked in that game. And did, y'all see, did y'all see the tweet from uh, Jerry? I'm sorry to interrupt you. Did you see the tweet from Ruben, Ruben Owens' dad during the middle of the game? It was only a matter mm-hmm. of time. <clears throat> yeah, Ruben Owens' dad came out and said, "I've got a, you've got a five-star running back back there that has hands like a wide receiver, but you're not using them. I'm tired. I'm getting tired of it." Yeah. So, uh, look, I mean, my my point on this with with him is. Uh, Texas, Texas A&M is now four and three um, on the season. And I don't know that things get easier for them long-term. Uh, and they are getting 
they're lucky. I'll, I'll be this. I'll say it this way. Not only is Connor Wigman out, you talk about a team that's lucky they're not down to their third quarterback. I mean, Chase Basantes, the freshman tackle for them, is going to get Max Johnson hurt. I, I don't know if y'all watched that game at all or the Alabama game. Whoever goes up against Chase Basantes literally gets – he's like getting a lap dance from Max, John, Max, <laughs> Max Johnson. I mean, he is. Yeah. It's <laughs> like he's in his lap on, within two seconds every single play. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they, they've got no that. chance to throw the football. Not 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 with any kind of consistency. No, AM has AM has an off week, right? Then they have South Carolina at home. Should win that. Should at Ole Miss Ooh. loss. Mississippi State at home. Abilene Christian and at LSU. So they're staring seven and five in the face. Maybe eight and four, mm-hmm. but probably seven and five. Yeah. All right. What about the Oregon Washington game, Rod? I know you watched I, that one. I love that. Yeah, I love the first of all, I love the Washington offense. I think even Sark would be a big fan of that Washington offense, Agreed. right? I don't know if there's any offense in the country that goes vertical and is as effective at going vertical, deep shots down the field as, as uh, Washington is, man. They're, Michael Penix Jr. is fantastic, and that may, that may be the best part of his game. This is a guy that will be drafted in the first round. He's in a Heisman conversation right now, but their deep ball is unbelievable, and they threaten teams with a vertical shot constantly. They all basically have you playing in fear as a defense because of the D ball. And like I said, they complete the D ball. They're effective. I haven't looked at the numbers, but that was the thing you noticed about uh, Washington's game. And Oregon, I'll give Oregon credit, man. They went into this game because they knew they were playing on the road, and and they were aggressive. I mean, Dan Lanning was rolling the dice a ton, going for it on fourth down, going for it uh, on fourth and goal, right? Um, and it didn't always work out for him, but he kept that same kind of attitude of aggressiveness, and it kept them in the game. But ultimately, like I said, I think I think Oregon was a better, well-rounded football team Agreed. all three phases. I even think their roster may be better overall Agreed. than the roster and compare the talent, blue chip ratio, and all that kind of stuff. But the Washington offense is just that good where it actually – it cancels out all the other phases of the game. It can be that good. And that's why Washington is sitting in this situation they're in right now. Their offense will save any other phase of the game, man. They're just that good. Michael Penix Jr., I mean, he's the real deal. Rod, I got one for you. What do you think about this comparison? Michael Penix Jr. is Dylan Gabriel, just with better wheels. A little bit better player. Best stronger mm-hmm. arm down the field. Strong, stronger arm, all of that other stuff. Here's yeah. the issue. They're both left-handed, obviously, right? Yeah. Both on undefeated teams right now. They're both fourth-year starters in the offensive style they started with in college and then transferred. Uh, to a the same style offense. I, I got one more for you. Of, I mean, Rod, they got he's Same got point. all of that. Hey, yep. you missed an important one, Bobby. They're both one and zero against Texas. How's 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 this for stats from that game? First downs, Oregon thirty-one, Washington twenty-four. Total yards, Oregon five hundred and forty-one, Washington four fifteen. Rushing yards, Oregon two hundred and four, Washington ninety-nine. Turnovers, Washington one, Oregon nothing. That's why Dan Lanning could barely handshake and walk off the field. They won everywhere except the scoreboard. Because, Rod, you're right. They're more talented roster. No doubt. More talented roster. I think that Kalen DeBoer is an exceptional. Uh, hey, the, other thing, the other thing that happened in that game, Oregon stopped Washington 
not dissimilar to how Oklahoma stopped Texas on the goal line. Yep, on I a, saw that. On, they had three chances from the one and went for it on fourth down. Washington did not get in, but they came back and moved the ball down the field, scored a touchdown, not just a field goal to go ahead at the end of that yep. game, too. And Rod, that's, and that's, that's what we hope Texas was, right? The, we talked about this, but the hope was that the Texas offense was going to be so prolific that the other phases of the game wouldn't matter as much. Complimentary football wouldn't matter as much because that offense is almost unstoppable because of all the weapons they present, all the problems they present to you. And it is that essentially except in the red zone, <laughs> but it can't solve it. And I haven't looked at Washington's numbers, but Washington, they score, they score a lot of points off explosive oh, yeah. plays too, much like Texas. So the hope is that Texas offense – once they find their groove and once, you know, all the pieces, because Jonathan Brooks is excelling and Xavier Worthy now is back on track after last year's regression. A.D. Mitchell added to the mix. J.T. Sanders, once healthy, all right, he was dealing with an injury, once healthy, that all those pieces will essentially make complimentary football moot because they're so explosive. And all the other phases of the game just need to complement them in a certain way. But you don't need them to perform at a really high level but unfortunately, Texas offense is missing some of the key situational football effectiveness, which is red zone, <laughs> where it's money time and where you have to score. So I, I, I think this Texas offense actually has, hasn't even yet reached their full capability. They're not fully, you know what I mean, in terms of reaching their potential. I don't think they're close yet because they haven't figured out that red zone when they do, and I think they will. Man, you could be looking at, you know, an offense that's just explosive as any office in the country, Washington, USC, anybody else. All right, uh, guys, we want to get to y'all's questions today, uh, get a chance for everybody to get them in, uh, talk about games this weekend. Uh, whatever you want to talk about, feel free. Uh, give me a shout uh, in, in the chat here or ask on the InsideTexas.com message boards as well, if you would. Uh, here's, a, here's a question. Oh, wait, go back to that, please, Matt. Thank you, brother. Bless you. Trevor Allen, thank you so much, bud. Hook them. Hey, let's have a good week, guys. Yeah, absolutely. It's game let's week. Have a, this is the start of a new week. Let's have a good hey, week. Hey, hey, Bobby, before you get to your first question, here's the reality. We've gone over a lot of stuff. Here's the reality. Texas moved up one spot to number eight in the AP poll. Ohio State and Penn State play this weekend. Texas handles business Saturday. They're going to move up another spot to seven in the AP poll. I mean – these undefeated teams are going to start playing each other. Washington, Oregon, somebody had to lose, right? The Pac-12, that schedule for Washington, those they're not easy. Texas handles their business. They're right. They still have everything in front of them. They just got to play a little better in a couple of key areas. Here, Longhorns opened up, by the way, Jerry and Rod, as 21.5-point favorites. Over I don't like it. That's What's a that huge there? number. That's a huge I don't like it. That's a I don't like now. it. Rod like and I are the same. Rod and I are the same. No, nope. All right. I don't like Daniel it. Kinnaman. Feels like there's blood in the water in Gainesville. Anything similar in Lubbock or College Station? I don't know about Lubbock because there's not many out there that Texas really wants other than maybe Micah Hudson at this point. What about the blood in the water in College Station, Jerry? Yeah, well, I think we'll have to see, right? I mean, but here's the thing. There's not going to be any positivity coming out of there. Uh, Jeff Choate, linebacker's coach, was at Jasper High Friday to check in on Ty Anthony Smith, the linebacker. Um, Texas is going to continue to recruit him. Look, I put it out on Inside Texas. I can say it now. Ty Anthony Smith was scheduled to officially visit Texas for the Kansas game. 
at the end, right there at the end, didn't make that trip. Um, he, I think he told AM, family member told AM he was playing to go, and AM got that thing shut down. But the more losses AM takes now, the more questions. I mean, Terry Bussey was at LSU over the weekend, right? So, I mean, AM's about to take a lot of SEC fire in recruiting, and I think Texas is now an SEC team in recruiting. They're about to take a lot of fire from SEC teams in recruiting, AM is. So, um, Texas isn't going to back off some of these guys. I mean, Ty Anthony Smith, they'll see what happens late with him, right? I mean, a good thing for Texas uh, working against AM commits is LSU is pounding the same guys right now in recruiting. So if you're Texas, you can almost just sit back and let LSU swing away. I, I got to say this. Apparently, my, my father-in-law is texting me. I'm not watching the game. But uh, Jose Abreu not having the best uh, fielding job right now between the law, between the Astros and the Rangers today. I haven't seen – no one's texted me uh, the uh, score quite yet, but I'm sure – nothing in top of the second. Okay, gotcha. So uh, the Rangers up uh, – the Rangers up, I guess? Yes. Okay, got it. All right, uh, going down here, looking at some other ones. Uh, talking about the portal, Jerry, and I, this is this is too far ahead, but Kabir yeah. Hussein, is Evan Stewart a possibility in the portal? I can't see him going in the portal. Yeah. But, Rod – You've been. Let me ask you this, Rod. You've been in college locker rooms when guys get dissatisfied. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine what it would be like on a team that's underperforming these days as it relates to the portal and how many guys they could lose? I mean, just think back to when. I mean, goodness gracious, I I can't even imagine. Yeah, I can't. I, I, like I said, I always say that you know, keeping a a positive, constructive culture these days has got to be the toughest oh, thing that <laughs> a boy coach to do right because anytime anyone is dissatisfied disgruntled with playing time or a coach you know uh you know getting on them or you know coaching them real hard or anything they're at home they're homesick whatever it may be all right they miss their girlfriend whatever it may be then they start thinking about the transfer portal and they start thinking about nio potential all right and those possibilities and these days, you can't really stop that. It's all like I said. You're, you're basically in a real relationship with these recruits now, just like you are with your significant other. You got to trust that when they're if somebody hits on them, they're just gonna do the right thing. <laughs> That's what you are at this point now as a coach. And in order for you to have that kind of trust with your players, you got to do the right thing by them. Right? You got actually as a coach, you can't you can't try you can't do anybody dirty in this. Uh, kind of landscape we're in because they have social media to back them up, all right? So they can make claims and they got social media as their platform. Then they got transfer portal that they can go through to kind of show, hey, man, you know what? I'm out. I'm done with it. And then there's NIL to always entice, you know, different players, no matter what the situation or circumstance is. So as a coach, it's really, really tough, in my opinion, to build that positive culture and to have that trust with your players and I think Sark's done a really good job. I'll give Sark a lot of credit, man. Um, Texas players who aren't playing, you know, I, I don't even the guys that do transfer, and I think everybody's got to deal with that kind of attrition. But the guys that do transfer, they always end up going to uh, uh, either a power five or a group of five place. You don't see guys pretty much drop down in uh, levels when they leave Texas. I mean, that honestly, that means that the players that you do have on your roster, when you're churning out the bottom and upgrading, that, you know what I mean, you're upgrading with really good talent because those guys are going on to other uh, places where they're coveted. 
but got where other institutions and programs want them. So I like the I like the the program and I like the culture right now in Texas, man. I think it's hard to build that these days. I hey, I, I want to stay. Oh, I agree with that, and, and I don't know if I'd take too many guys that are come from questionable culture right now. That's a good point, Jerry. That's a good point. Hey, Rod, I want to stick with you on this. Kabir has another follow-up that I thought was a good segue almost. Does a loss like OU, Texas's loss to OU, hurt our players' confidence? Does it make them come out flat against Houston? You've lost some big games to OU before. Uh, you, you're, you know, what did yeah. y'all do the next week? Or um, did you ever have yeah. an off week? You know that I don't know if we ever had an off week. I'm not. I got to go back and check that. That's rare, I think, after Texas OU. And I don't know if I'd like I said as a player. I don't know if I'd want it after a loss. You may need it in terms of the health of the the roster and guys getting healthy um, and being 100. But I will say Jerry made a great point about the comparison to the Texas OU game about the NCAA tournament. Um, it does feel like a loss. Like it feels like the end of the season when you lose that game. It feels like a a last game loss after yeah. the Texas OU game. When the game is, when I think I think the game is actually in the right uh, in the right frame, in the right context. Meaning both teams are really really good, and both there's national championship implications, and the winner is catapulted into that national title conversation. When that happens, it does feel like the end of the season because the pageantry of the game, the tradition. It's at a neutral site, all those different things. It just feels like, oh man, season's over because you know whether you, you know, whether you're acknowledging it or not, the build up to that game for the first four or five weeks of the season, you're in the subconsciously, you're thinking about Texas OU. You can't I, help it. You know what Mac, the best Mac, Mac, Mac recruited us talking about Texas OU. So Mac can say, oh man, you know what? We got to go one game at a time. Mac talks about Texas OU and Texas AM. That's it. He's like, nah, man, we got to beat them. We got to beat those two teams. Just make sure you come here ready to beat those two programs. So when you lose to either one of those teams, it does feel like a catastrophic failure. But if you got good leadership, which I think this team does, and we did, usually you can go on a winning streak after that. There's a because there's a kind of a call to arms, there's a a you know, a kind of a galvanizing effect to losing because you feel like, man, the season's over. Man, we gotta we gotta salvage every little bit of the season we can. We lose again, then game, then the season's over for us, and we can't accomplish our goals. So I think this team will go on the winning streak. I expect a, I expect them to win out. If they don't, I'd be disappointed. There you go. I, I was gonna say a couple of those years under Mac, after some rough OU losses, Texas played Kansas State. How the schedule worked out. So Texas had to get back up because K State was really good and really physical. I remember one year was at K State. It was pretty cold. Uh, the other thing I would say, I think the best, I think the best thing that happened for Texas this week, as far as is is after this after this game, is OU on social media. If that doesn't motivate you as a Texas player, you got issues, man. Did you that, see what Stutzman hey, created a, a, a shirt out of? Yeah, and is, is trying to rep it on uh, on uh, what do you call it on social media? Uh, Oklahoma fears God, Texas fears Oklahoma, something like that. What and do you think of that, Rod? If that was in your locker room right now, and you were a Texas player, what would you have to say about that? No, Jer Jerry's right. They made a they made a video, like a seven minute hype video, about the Texas Oklahoma game and their win, and that I believe was the quote from Danny Stutzman on his motivational speech to the team 
that Oklahoma only fears God, but Texas fears Oklahoma. It's a great quote. I'm not going to lie. It's a good quote. Great, great. I'm sorry. It's a good quote. I hate it. It's a good quote. And yeah, Venables was taking a picture with the shirt and they got NIL now. Dallas working with the shirt. It's great. Good for them. And I heard Xavier Worthy went on social media. He was a little upset about it. Um, he put out his own statement about it on social media. But Jerry's right, man. I mean, and honestly, you know what? It should bother those guys because they had a chance to win that game. They had every opportunity to win that game offensively and defensively, and nobody stepped up. So you got nobody to blame but the man in the mirror. Those are beautiful moments in football. When you you, you got to look yourself in the face and go, it's me. I'm the reason. I'm, I'm the reason we lost that game. It's me. And now, they're, stomp- and now they're stomping on your grave all week. Yeah, all man. Week. It's great. Hey. I think I'm a Jerry. It's good. It's good for the psyche, man. It's really good. Hey, this one's from uh, Santiago Hernandez. How does A&M stay strong in recruiting when they have yet to put together a solid season? What's the selling point for recruits? Well, I do have two things on this. Hold on. Because you, got, you do have to give some people credit sometimes. Uh, they, have, they did put together a solid season. I mean, they went 9-1 and one and finished with the first. And it was COVID year. In COVID, yep. But I don't care how you do it in recruiting. It matters. You're nine and one. You're ranked top five. You beat Alabama at home. Look, we it's fun to make fun of people, but let's also realize they ha- they've done outside of NIL. They've done a few things that matter in recruiting. Like, look, Jimbo's the first guy that ever beat Nick. You think to OU got mileage out of Texas this week? You know how much mileage AM got out of beating Nick Saban that year? Jimbo, the first assistant to ever beat him. And AM's had some guys drafted, man. I mean, look, the reality is they've been in a better position than Texas has. And now Sark's flipping that thing. But a, look, the record, when you think about what AM did when they went in there, uh, when Jimbo was hired, he, he hasn't he hasn't done what was expected, right? That who does? Uh, they hadn't won anything since 39. I mean, so and for the next guy, that's what you're up against. But you know, you still what that happened when he was hired was they played Georgia, Clemson, Alabama every year. They had huge recruiting games in at their house or on the road. They've had a lot of things while Texas was sitting there barely treading water that have helped them in recruiting outside of NIL. I mean, I'm telling you, that went over Bama was huge at the time when it happened. All right. Hey. Uh, Rod, uh, thanks for that explanation, Jerry. Uh, Rod, this question is for you. Uh, Ian was talking about this in the uh, football theory. Red zone struggles due to our interior OL. What are the fixes, bud? Yeah, I mean, um, I think Ian did make a good point about that. I don't know if it's one particular issue. I think it's a mo. I think I do think it's multifactorial in terms of the ratios. What you know, uh, what is a bigger factor than others? I don't know. But he makes a good point about the interior offensive line. There's no doubt, especially with your starting center out, right? You lose your starting center against Oklahoma. You know, that's a line of scrimmage game, period. And, you know, not only your starting center, but you're basically your third string center. So, yeah, I think that hurts. And then I don't think the Texas interior offensive line is a strength anyway. Um, so I, I think that also exacerbated that issue. Um, I would, it's something I would try. And I, I said, we got to, we got to do some deep dive research and, and Sark admitted he's doing analytical deep dive rabbit holing on the red zone. He said, we're going to examine it play by play, you know, circumstance, situation by situation, personnel grouping by personnel grouping, formation by formation and figure out what the hell's got a higher success rate and, and, and actually what works and what doesn't 
And essentially, that's how you can you can really cut down on inefficiency. So hopefully that's the case going forward. They got the buy week to do it. I would still present power personnel packages, meaning present big power, not always jumbo personnel. I like the 6-0 line package. It's been really good for them, actually. Um, versus Oklahoma, that was actually the most um, effective personnel grouping was the 6-0 line package. I would go on a goal line. I would go 6-0 line pack instead of jumbo all the time. Now, sometimes you can go jumbo. Some teams just can't match up with you. You can bully them and, you know, just push them across the goal line, period. Um, but there will be times when strategically uh, the team matches up well with you schematically. I would go 6-0 line pack and tag them with RPOs on the outside. I would also, and, and Sark admitted that he likes to steal plays, and I'm sure Sark is doing it, so I'm not telling him something he doesn't already know. I would go study every really good red zone offense at the college level and the pro level and just go steal plays. That simple. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's a lot of teams do it at the NFL and pro level and the college level. I just go steal those concepts. But also if you, you present that six O line package with an RPO tag, I think it simplifies the read for Quinn yours a little bit. And you want to present both options. The problem in Oklahoma game is you said you were running the football. You were predictable in that aspect. And you said, you even let the team know exactly where you're running the football behind your big humans. Well, we saw how that worked out. It blew up in your face. I think you got to make a defense defend both. Make them defend the run. Make them defend the pass, too. Then they have to divide their resources, and that's going to make them weaker on both fronts. And then you go tag with RPO. Essentially, you make them choose their poison, run pass option. That's how I would I would approach the red zone a little bit more, but I'm sure Sark's going to do a good job in figuring out how how – how effective they can be with what personnel group and information. I, I just think that here's the bottom line for me, Rod and Jerry, they just got to be better. Yeah. How it, how it happens. I mean, Brian Irwin, uh, for example, uh, you know, my, my does lunch with the coach with us coach. Uh, every Monday. Uh, he, he feels like they should be tighter and kick stuff out a little bit. There's, there are all kinds of Theories. different, thoughts and, and ways to go about it. The reality of it is they have to be better. I, that, that's just the absolute re reality uh, of what's going on. Hey, I, I, here's a question from Paxton real quick, uh, guys, Rod, Jerry, uh, myself. Have y'all ever watched a game when there is not one offensive, offensive holding called on either team? I'm sure I have. You know, I, I, I don't, I don't think the refs were the reason Texas lost that game. No, I'll put it that way. No matter whether there was or wasn't, I felt like OU just beat them at the end. Uh, Texas had mistakes on defense and also didn't run the clock out when they had a chance on offense. OU won fair and square. Altoy Floyd had a, a good comment a few minutes ago. The keys about, to the rest uh, about of the Daniel about Connor Robertson. No, the keys to the rest of the season are pass rush and secondary play. And here's why I totally agree with him 100. 100%. Texas offensively is going to be fine. They're playing lesser defenses. They've already faced the best defense in Alabama. They will all season. I think Oklahoma is probably better defensively because of Venables than anybody else they're going to face the rest of the season. They've played the best they're going to play defensively. They're going to be okay on offense. They're averaging 570 yards a game in the last two games against Kansas and Oklahoma. They're going to be all right offensively. They can, they can score it better in the red zone. But pass rush and safety play, 
is going to tell you the story the last six games of the regular season, in my opinion, because I think they're so solid everywhere else, solid enough to win in a bad conference. Uh, they're solid enough, but I'm going to tell you this much, Jerry. If you keep trading three, a uh, seven for three, that's not a winning combo. I mean, but but that's about well, that I mean, it. Takes, it takes one quarterback point. run to get down there. And, and I'm just telling you, I think they got it. I'm just saying, I put red zone efficiency up there with both of those other two things. I agree. So I'll, I'll uh, yeah, but but here's, the, here's, the, here's the only thing I'll push back on on that. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Red zone's both ways. Texas was gave up six of six to OU defensively in the red zone. Four of them were touchdowns, too. I agree. I mean, it may, but Texas defensively had been good in the red zone yeah. prior to that. But this goes to what something Rod talked about um, a, a week ago. It's also the first time Texas has faced a quarterback that that's can it. execute in the red zone like Dylan Gabriel does. And that's why I, see, I think it's pass rush and, and, and secondary safety play it are the two keys for me is because you're playing better quarterbacks the rest of the way than you did the first six, first five. Okay. Totally agree. And so that plays a premium on putting pressure on that guy and not letting him get comfortable being a ball patter. You know, if guys start patting balls and you're in the stands, that's not a good sign uh, unless you're on the, you're cheering for the team. That's the ball patter. Um, and then, you know, I mean, look, you get, that that's what it comes down to. You got to have enough pass rush to mask a deficiency at safety. If you cannot mask that deficiency at safety, you will lose on the road. I, I agree. Oh, go ahead, Rod. No, no, just real quick. I think both of you guys hit the, hit the nail on the head. Really, it is true because think about the next opponent, right? Donovan Smith, who's got a win against Texas on his resume already. My big concern in that game is you of H could turn it into a shootout. Really, the only way they can win. Yes. I mean, hey, you know what I mean? It's to turn it into a shootout. They're not going to be able to stop Texas. They turn it into a shootout. Donovan Smith in the red zone, he's almost a perfect weapon in the red zone because he's a running back. That He's a quarterback, excuse me, that can run like a power quarterback run game. They can run, they run the quarterback draw with him in the red zone. I've already seen it multiple times with U of H. They like that quarterback draw, which, by the way, Dylan Gabriel ran to perfection against Texas. So in the red zone, the quarterback plus one running game, either second reaction, improvised plays, or designed runs, it can be absolutely brutal. Texas has to account for that, which can make that defense less effective in the red zone like they were against Oklahoma. And he's also, Donovan Smith, comfortable in that system because it's an air raid system. And he's been running the air raid since he got to the college level. And I will also point out the pass rush and the secondary play. Got to be crucial because I, I said this. The last live stream we had, guys, I like the wide receivers at U of H. 
They're good That's players. A good group. Of, that that may be the strength of the whole entire team is yeah. the passing game with Donovan Smith and the wide receivers. They got you said it, Jerry. They got three, four, you know, guys who were considered four-star wide receivers there. Legit guys. And yeah. I they are they got speed, man. So they will test that safety. Uh, the safeties in, in coverage, I guarantee you, multiple times. And they what they like, oh, perfect. I was just looking at film right before we came on. That's long ago. They love the slot fade. They love the slot fade, man. They're going to take that number two receiver, and they're going to run basically a nine-route rhythm. Sometimes it opens up as a fade to the outside. Sometimes he turns it into like a, a skinny, deep post route where he runs it inside, depending on the leverage of the DB. They will run it. And that's basically a test of coverage of the secondary and the safeties in particular and how they they hold up in coverage on the vertical routes. All right. Uh, thanks, Rod. Uh, on Texas Football Sunday Night Live stream brought to you by the Cross Oak Group. Cross Oak is one of the leading government affairs firms in Texas, specializing in lobbying, political communications, business development, and regulatory compliance. These days, government finds ways to impact nearly every aspect of your business. With decades of experience ranging from the State House to the White House, Cross Oak Group helps its clients hedge risk and protect and grow their bottom lines. To learn more, go to www.crossoakgroup.com. We appreciate their ongoing sponsorship of On Texas Football and the Sunday Night Live Stream. Uh, that's crossoakgroup.com. You can contact them at info at crossoakgroup.com. Hey, we got some other questions. Uh, Jerry, I'm going to go back to you. Daniel Kinneman with a good one here. Uh, are there any positions easier to get talent out of the portal than wide receiver? Uh, not high end, no. Uh, that's the high end position. I mean, maybe special teams, but people aren't really get jazzed up about it. Uh, but yeah, no, well, the other one's quarterback. <laughs> yep. I Apparently yep. so. I mean, <laughs> apparently so, on. right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I completely agree. agree. Um, yeah. All right, here we go. Jerry, uh, I was at the uh, – this from Forrest. Oh, yeah. I was at the Willis game Friday. What did you think about Bishop? He seems to have good – some smooth, explosive cuts with the ball in his hands. And DJ Lagway, the Florida quarterback commitment, looked good as always. I was at that game as well with Keith Niebuhr from uh, the Gator site and on three. Good buddy. I, um, he when I went to Florida, we went to schools together, so I did this return that favor. But Jermaine Bishop, the 2026 young kid at Willis, uh, is who Forrest was talking about. Uh, he's an electric kid now. He's already got Texas, Texas A&M, uh, Oklahoma State. He's got all those offers. Uh, he'll be at a Texas game later this season. But he is really, really good corner wideout for a young kid. Return game, super smooth, moves really well. Uh, DJ Lagway, I've got a comparison for him, guys. It, it, they're a little different, but they DJ's always come off this way to me. He's 6'3", 229, 6'2", and three quarters, 229. He's a bigger kid, a little bit of JT Barrett. Not as athletic as JT, but I'm talking from a leadership, mental makeup standpoint at quarterback. He's got a little bit of that in him. Hey, Jerry, take this one from Diedrich H. Uh, while we got you. Any news about DeAndre Carter? That's who uh, Steve Sarkeesian and Kyle Flood were out to see, along with Brandon Baker, his teammate. At modern day on Friday, and will Texas get wide receiver Ryan Wingo on campus again for a game? Your thoughts on those two? I think Texas is trending well for DeAndre Carter. They still have to, you know, get through the finish line there. He's Auburn's only high school offensive line commitment, and uh, if you watched any of the LSU game, they need a bunch of them. 
<laughs> um, so, but they're going to have to go out of the in the portal. That's obviously what Auburn's going to do. You don't you don't have one high school offensive line recruit right now if you don't plan to go big in the portal, which is where they what they should do. Uh, but I think Texas is doing well with DeAndre Carter. I think the biggest thing for for Texas here's what's in Texas's favor: Kyle Flood resume, same as Brandon Baker. Sark's connections to modern day, modern day, same. Moving to SEC that helps because he already made an SEC decision. Auburn over Texas, Michigan State was third. Here's, the, here's a big one, I think, with the family if this flip happens. It's so much easier to get on a flight from SoCal and get to Austin versus getting to Auburn. That's a lot more travel time for a family. It's a big reason Brandon Baker, who did like Georgia, the family was never really on board with that. It's a longer flight, harder to get to at times. So I think if Texas flips him, that travel component along with Flood's resume is key because I what Auburn's got or what Auburn's trying to work on their end is, hey, we're in a rebuild. You can come in earlier and compete for time at guard. Probably true, but that doesn't mean you're going to develop and to be the best player you can either. That's where Kyle Flood's coming back, hitting Auburn with. But watch out for the travel. I think that was big with Baker family. It's it's easy to fly from uh, John Wayne County Airport to Austin, guys. It's a lot harder to get some other places. On Ryan Wingo, I I don't think he'll be back on campus before he makes a decision, but we'll see. Right. Oh, somebody asked if Jermaine Bishop at Willis is Michael Bishop's son. No, it's Michael Bishop's cousin. Got it. All right. Hey, uh, Jerry, uh, going to Rod here on this one. Rick Amber guy. Uh, Rod, any idea why Manny Muhammad was 12 year, yards off of OU's wide receiver on that last drive. He wasn't the only uh, corner that was 12 yeah. yards off. Yeah. What, what, I think, were they, what were they playing there? Trying um, to keep everything in front of them, I guess? Yeah, I think it was that simple. I, I Usually in that situation, from my experience, the DBs are told, you know, keep everything in front of you. Don't let anything behind you. And I think for young DBs, it almost has almost a paralyzing effect where it's like, all right, I did my job if I just keep everything in front of me and I never get beat deep. I did my job. And it's like, actually, you know, you still want them to be aggressive on in that situation. Still want them to go make plays on the football. And I think it it had the, obviously, a detrimental effect when they told them, don't let anything behind you guys. Remember, there was also a coverage bust uh, on that Drake Stoops 20-plus yard reception. So I'm not sure exactly what the defense and coverage, coverage was on that particular play. But I just think the guys were told, hey, nobody behind you, deeper than the deepest. And usually I think that has almost the, the preventive defense effect, right? Everybody says you play prevent defense, prevents you from winning. And I almost they – they didn't play prevent defense, but it has the same effect when you tell them don't let anybody behind you. Instead of, hey, now go out there, you go make plays on a ball, I'll have safeties behind you to cover your back on the deep plays. You'll get help there. And I think you should just let the guys go out there and play instead of telling them nobody about it. Because, yeah, that 12 yards off made the job way too easy for the offense there. So I, I, I'm not sure exactly what the guys were told. That's just what I believe they were told. Got it. Uh, guys, Jesse has this one. Uh, does Quinn get drafted in the first round based on his performance so far in his college career? I would say it's not that he's going to get drafted in the first round based on what he's done so far in his college career. He has – you know, good numbers right now this year. They're not first round numbers. He may, however, get drafted in the first round because he has first round talent more so than productivity at this point. Right, Rod or Jerry, what do y'all think about that? 
You know, I think uh, I think that's a lot half the drafts, anyways. I mean, Anthony Richardson didn't play like a guy that would go in the top ten. I mean, of the NFL draft, and there's been a lot of quarterbacks, a lot of position players like that over time. It's still a developmental sport. Um, I, I think the one thing that's the teams are going to look at if he keeps playing at the level he has in the Big Twelve. Now, I think this is big for him. Um, is oh yeah, we'll invest in this guy. That's what they're going to say. We'll invest in this guy. We can see what he can become. That's what uh, that's what a lot of the NFL is. I mean, I mean, let's be real. I mean, that's what it is. I mean, look, is Caleb Williams going to start getting knocked for not winning big games before the draft? Because you're still basing it on what he can become too. He hasn't beat people that matter. He's a talented guy, but he hasn't won the games. Yeah, Anthony Richardson's last year, he completed 53.8% of his passes at Florida <laughs> for 7.8 yards per attempt, 17 touchdowns, nine interceptions. He had 654 yards rushing, which is good, nine rushing touchdowns, but he's you get drafted on potential. Yeah. That's just that's the NFL hey, nutshell. That's, hey, that's the reason. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> look, Caleb Williams on some levels potential too. I mean, that's rally. He did not look. Did he look like a first-round pick against Notre Dame Saturday? Hell no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's a reason Mikael Thompson was drafted ahead of Quandre Diggs. Quandre Diggs is a better football player. Yeah. Mikael Thompson had higher upside. Well, football player wins out. Upside, it is what it is, right? So it, it you know, that's what the NFL is all about. They're trying to get value. The draft's about value. And, yeah. you know, you're trying to find the best value. The value is to hit on a guy – who hasn't hit his potential yet, and he'll hit that in three or four years, and then you'll find better value than paying for a guy who's already peaked, and he's peaked, and he's on, he's starting to uh, regress and to go on a downslide after you paid him. Trust me, the NFL's. A, I, I'm not saying this right. I'm just telling you that's how the right. NFL thinks. No, he, Ron's right. This is I, I've been I've talked to those guys, uh, many of them over the years, and they look at guys in the third round and below as fungible parts. Yeah, they can. Oh. We need a safety that's a 6-1 safety. We don't need Quandre Diggs here. Pretty Even much. if Quandre Diggs is as good as he can be, we don't need – we've already got that kind of safety here. We need yeah. somebody that's 6-1 that can cover the go. Yep. I mean, yeah. th that that's what – they don't – they they think Quandre Diggs is probably a really good player, but we know what we get. That You don't take that player in the third or second round. You take him in the fifth. Exactly. Now, they're all wrong, ultimately, because he had more – talent than what he was right. giving credit for in my opinion but that's exactly what rod's talking about is that that mentality and i i'll i'll be honest i see it in recruiting rankings as well it, it drips down to recruiting rankings no doubt i mean if you're not if you're not a six foot corner you used to not you're, you're not going to get rated as highly as you would if you're 511 but better exactly. i mean it's just it just happens all right hey uh this one from david keith williams uh, Jaron Thompson isn't a very good tackler supporting the run either. His strength is understanding the game and being in the right place. Unfortunately, he doesn't make a lot of plays. Rod, you're a defensive back, okay? Former one, at least. Probably not yeah. still guarding anybody these days. Yeah. Um, what, what are your thoughts on the Texas secondary play and what they need to do better um, yeah, it's, it's, right it, now? Yeah, it's interesting because I, I like Jaron Thompson. He is limited. Right, he's got limitations, and um, you can we all do, yeah, we exactly. all do. 
His yeah, speed yeah. is one of those, right? If you get if you get past him, you can create separation. Doesn't have great catch up speed. He's not one of those guys. It's not it's something elite in his game. Um, and I think ultimately, at times, you know, he he's not an alley cat. He doesn't run the alley precisely. He takes bad angles to the football. I like him, but he takes bad angles to the football. Puts him in bad situations. And think about Jaron Thompson. This is, and I'm not knocking the coaches at all, but if Jaron Thompson. With his limitations, and there are just a couple of them. And by the way, we all got him. Rod B had him. I was five eight. I'm five eight three quarters. People get his say said Rod B, you know, had trouble defending the deep ball, whatever it may be, right? Everybody's got the limitations. You should, as a as a as a coach and as a coaching staff, be able to recruit past that. Bring on guys onto the roster who can compete with Jaron Thompson and and take his job. If he's if he's if he's out there and he's if he's so limited that he's holding back the defense, then you bring in guys to take his job. It happens naturally and organically. Happen. I watched it happen with lots of guys around us. He brought in your Nathan Bashers and your Michael Huffs, your Cedric Griffins. It just naturally organically happens. As a coach, you ain't even got to necessarily move too many pieces around. So for Texas, I, I'm wondering why that hasn't happened. Listen, the guy's been out there for a long time. Nobody taking his job. We can keep complaining about him. So why is he still out there? Because nobody's taking the job. You haven't recruited enough great athletes to surpass him and usurp him. That's on the coaching staff. I'm just saying that's on them. He's the best option, guys. He's the best option. Take what you want about he's how limited is. I agree with that. That's from an evaluation standpoint. But he's the best option out there is what they're saying. They got Jalen Catalan through the transfer portal. You know how that goes. He's fragile. Sorry. It's a great term from a great Christmas movie. I love the Christmas story. He's fragile. He is. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right? You brought in Derek Williams. He's great. He's next level. He's the guy. He he is him. But he's young. He's a freshman. He's inexperienced. So they're just starting to try to churn that safety position. But you can't don't be don't hate the play. I hate the game. It ain't his fault that that he's out there and he's limited. The coaches haven't. Brought enough talent to to turn over that that position. He's the, he is the best option out there, and I'm not saying I that that's the best case ideal case for Texas, but that's on the coaches for not bringing enough talent at that particular position. All right, uh, good stuff, Rod. Uh, Jerry, I, I got a question about you because one name came up in the chat that I want to get an update on if you have one, and that's Xavier Fieldsame, uh, the uh, uh, defensive back out of the Dallas area that Texas offered and attended the Texas uh, OU game last week. Uh, What's the latest on him? He's still committed to Florida, I assume. Yeah. uh, But I know he had a good game this weekend. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll see uh, when Texas gets out. I I think Gideon's supposed to be there in a couple weeks. Then we'll see at that point kind of if Texas gets that visit set up, if they get him on campus. Right now it's an offer, reciprocated interest. Until he gets to campus, it doesn't get real. Uh, but Blake Gideon and a couple members of the staff had a good conversation with uh, Xavier and his father uh, early last week. So we'll see what happens. I mean, look, it's uh, Florida's season will be big. I mean, that, that, that'll be big in this too, man. I mean, guys start, tend to – they're easier to flip when they wonder if the coach is going to be there at the school they're committed to. That's mm-hmm. the question with Texas A&M, right? That's, that people are asking about A&M. I mean, that's going to be the hits. The kids aren't going to hear anything positive about Texas A&M. There's still enough positive there about Florida. That was a big win for them over South Carolina. I don't care how good South Carolina is. They're still 5-2. and Now, the rest of Florida's schedule is tough. 
but that game probably gets them to a bowl game in year two under uh, uh, under Napier uh, before that 2024 schedule hits you like an 18-wheeler not looking. Uh, <laughs> hey, uh, guys, I got to ask you this one uh, real quick. Rob, what do you think about this? Michael Ortiz says, we need to blitz dual-threat QBs because I think their is- instinct is to run after only going through one to two progressions. Yeah. Maybe, but you better get there. Yep. You better get there. And you can do it strategically, right? You can you can overload one side, blitz it, flush them, flush that quarterback, find out analytically where they're most ineffective, right? They're running to the left, throwing to the left, throwing to the right, wherever, flush them that way and have a spy ready for them to kind of collapse on them. You can do different things, but Michael, Michael's not crazy there. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put just, I wouldn't do just one thing. I wouldn't deploy just one strategy versus a, a really good dual threat quarterback. I, I would throw multiple things at him, and one of the things is what Michael is talking about there. I would come after him. Make, speed up their clock. Speed it up. Let's see how they process. They process quickly. I want to speed up. And usually the default for an athletic quarterback is, I'm getting the hell out of Dodge. I'm running. Yeah, you spend, you spend on my clock too much. I can't process it. I'm running. And maybe that's what you want to do situationally with a dual threat quarterback. So, I would throw multiple things at him, but Delvin Smith, you know, he's he's not a, a, a I don't think he's necessarily a dual threat quarterback. He's got enough functional mobility, yeah, just like Dylan Gabriel, because he wasn't a dual threat either. Nobody no. had him labeled as a dual threat quarterback, no. guys. He no. had functional mobility. They decided to weaponize. Donovan Smith has functional mobility. By the way, Texas Tech weaponized it against Texas on a lot of short yardage situations last year. So they can do it again this year in situations, and I've already seen it. So you're going to see it again, and, yeah, I think they should be ready for it to be aggressive, to just decide, you know, we're coming after Donovan Smith, force him into making some mistakes. And, by the way, I will say this. Go ahead, Jerry. Donovan Smith is 6'5", 240. For those wondering how big he actually is. I I would say this. uh, I don't know that U of H has the offensive line that Tech did a year ago. I don't think Tech has the offensive line this year that they did. A year ago, either, uh, and so that that's part of their uh, problem up in Lubbock, uh, where everything goes through there. Obviously, um, yeah. all right. Um, let, let's get to a couple more questions. Uh, is t- uh, Jerry this one from Mock Schnell comes in with a late recruiting question? I want to get to because we had an internal conversation about that. This is Texas not in contact with Anderson, the wide receiver from California that's committed to Oregon. I haven't heard anything new on that. I mean, they the, he reached out to Texas um uh, early in the season uh but uh, we have not heard anything materializing there i think this isaiah williams offer might tell you tell you who they like better on senior tape i I will say this too i want to add one one other thing about wide receiver recruiting uh missouri you mentioned uh, florida having a big win this weekend missouri Missouri pulled out one against kentucky yeah missouri now six six and one only two and one in conference though so well, they've already not- played all four of their all four of their non-con games. They don't have an Abilene Christian left. No, what what that win did for them though, unless they totally cl- collapse, they're going to win eight or nine games now. I mean, that was a huge win for them. If you look at their schedule, they have South Carolina at home this weekend. Should they win should that. Win. Yeah, at Georgia, lost Tennessee and Florida at home back to back weeks. They can beat Florida and Missouri. And then they're at Arkansas, which they can win that game. They're going eight and four, nine and three. That was a huge win at Kentucky for them. 
All right, uh, guys, want to say thanks one more time before I get to a couple final questions to our uh, sponsor on the Sunday night live stream. That is the Cross Oak Group. Cross Oak is one of the leading government affairs firms in Texas, specializing in lobbying, political communications, business development, and regulatory compliance. These days, government finds ways to impact nearly every aspect of your business. With decades of experience ranging from the State House to the White House, Cross Oak Group helps its clients hedge risk and protect and grow their bottom lines. To learn more, go to www.crossoakgroup.com. That's www.crossoakgroup.com. Uh, and if you're following along right now, it's bottom of the third. Uh, Rangers still up one to nothing on the Astros. Jordan Alvarez at bat. Oh, there it is. Never mind. That's uh, end of the inning. One nothing. We go to four right now. Uh, in uh, guys, it, it's been a good chat, and I want to get to a couple more questions before we get going. But is there anything you guys want to sidebar on real quick that we we brought up? And sometimes I over talk, and I, I get a step on y'all's feet a little bit. And I don't mean to do that. No, no. Is there anything in there that that y'all think y'all want to answer or talk well, about? Yeah, I, here's what I want to say about the U of H game. I mean, I, I think U of H, I, I agree with Rod. They, they, they're going to try to get into a shootout with Texas. They know they can't stop Texas. Mm -mm. The only people who can stop Texas Saturday night is Texas or Saturday mm -hmm. in, at Houston. Uh, they're not, they're too small in the secondary. They just don't, uh, I, they just don't have the parts to me. I mean, that doesn't mean they don't have some good players, but they Texas can pretty much call Quinn's number in the passing game. Whatever Sark feels like throwing for, I think he can get. So you have to get into a 45-35, 42-35 with the ball late type of game. Um, I, I really believe, though, uh, that uh, this Texas team, they may have had their dauber down the first half of last week, as they should, because they know they, they, they probably think they were the better team. Um, but I think Texas is going to come out with a spirited effort Saturday. I, I think they're going to play well. I think they're going to play with a purpose. Um, and, and, and I think these guys are, uh, I'll be surprised if Texas does not play a really good game Saturday guys. And I, because I just don't, I don't think U of H can stop them defensively. I, I don't either. I agree with everything Jerry said. Um, at this too, they're actually decent and pretty good in the return game. Yes. I'm returning kickoff returns. Two kickoffs for touchdowns. Yes. So I'm with you. I think they want to just score as many points as they can. That is one of the ways they can supplement offense. If they get a, a kickoff turn or they get short fields because of return game, Jeff Banks is one of the best uh, special teams coach in the country. So, and they got, they got D Camillas there as well now. So trust me, they're on this. They understand it. They got an extra week to prepare for it. That's something to watch though. If, if U of H can actually get some big returns, kickoff return, pump returns, I expect Texas to score very often right? uh, against, uh, against uh, U of H. That's something that is kind of that factor. You really can't quantify that could play a huge role. But I just think they're going to try to replicate everything that Oklahoma did. They they can't to the elite level Oklahoma did it. But they got a quarterback that can do some of the things Dylan Gabriel did with the quarterback draw and the quarterback run game and scrambling um, and extending plays. They can run up tempo. They gave Texas issues. The receiving core, in my opinion, is the strength of the team. I think they got some receivers that can yes. play for a lot of teams around the country. Those guys, and they got speed. They got team speed. Texas has a lot of team speed. But they got some, too, at skilled positions. So I just think they're going to try to take so many different concepts that Oklahoma did successfully 
and just try to replicate them. And because of the the familiarity, they're cousins with the veer and shoot because an air raid offense. I think they do conceptually have some things they can attack Texas with. If Texas shuts them down early, could be a blowout. If Texas doesn't shut them down early, we could have a shootout. Hey, blowout hey, or shootout. It to Rod's point, <laughs> Rod what did Sark say at his Monday press conference? We have to. We need to be more aggressive in our return game. We have too many good athletes here right now. So you know Texas is about to get aggressive, more aggressive in their return game, guys. He said it. Just like Sark said, we're pass first to set up the run. He's pretty much telling you what's coming at this point. That's why I love All right. about Hey, uh, here's one for Rod coming back to you. Uh, and thanks, guys, for for ad, uh, for putting that up because I wanted to wanted y'all to talk a little bit more. Uh, Ryan Watts holds his own. He has missed. He was missed. Versus OU, experienced and physical. Is he ready for Houston? We believe so. My question is, a lot of people didn't think he was going to be missed for OU, but his physical presence against the run, in retrospect, and especially against those bubble screens, incredibly missed, in my opinion, in retrospect. Our concern with Ryan Watts was that he was going to be attacked with the deep ball versus Oklahoma. They only threw it twice. They didn't even – one of our big issues was, oh, man, Texas defended deep ball. They threw it twice. They completed one of them, I believe, versus uh, Jalen Catalan early on in the game. But it wasn't a deciding factor in that game. So if that was, if that was going to be the game plan for Oklahoma, I am with you 100%. Ryan Watts would have been awesome because my big concern, and maybe if he had played, they'd have went after him. Maybe they attacked him and went after him, and they didn't. So I'm with you. I think Ryan Watts was missed. There's no doubt. On that last, especially, you know what? The two last drives of the first half and the second half, right? The first half last drive where they missed like four or five tackles. The second half last drive, game-winning touchdown drive for Oklahoma, where they had six plays, one of them being a penalty, but six plays in Texas had either a coverage breakdown, a gap integrity breakdown, or a penalty on three of the six plays. They definitely missed the veteran presence of Ryan Watts. Fair enough. All right, this uh, last one going to do it for tonight, guys. Thanks, Justin Yarbrough, for the Super Chat. Guys, how many undefeated teams will finish this season? OU will fall to either Kansas or Mike Gundry, Gundy. Great job, as always. <laughs> OU is definitely not uh, infallible. Uh, I, I would put it that way. I, I do believe that as long as Dylan Gabriel is healthy, they're going to be a tough out for, for anybody in the Big 12. Yeah, I'm not sure Kansas is going to be able to stop Oklahoma, even though it's a home game. That's going to be their issue. I don't know if they can stop them. So Kansas is going to have to score 45 points at home to win that game more than likely. But it is in Kansas and see what the weather does, right? Um, look, but that's kind of what we're talking about. Like Oregon went down this weekend, right? Some Somebody's going down this weekend. Penn State's at Ohio State. Everybody thinks it'll be Penn State. All these teams are about to start playing each other. I, you know, the Pac-12, I think, is going to beat each other up, although Washington has enough offense to not lose a game on that schedule, even though it's a tough schedule. But then you still got the Pac-12 championship game, right? I mean, so teams are going down. How many teams finish undefeated? Look, Georgia has to go to Tennessee. I, I'm just telling you, I think Georgia's sleepwalking right now. So are they going to get up? They got up for Kentucky. I like how they sleepwalk, by the way. I know. <laughs> I know. That's what uh, you call sleepwalking. They're they're doing a pretty good job of it. Yeah, I mean, are are they are they going to be up, get up to play their best ball at Tennessee because they're going to have to play well at Tennessee. I mean, Tennessee can do some of the things Auburn did. Um, they're pretty good on defense, Tennessee at home. So I mean, 
So we'll see what happens. I mean, and then Georgia will have to play somebody out of the SEC West, maybe Alabama. Uh, but how many undefeated teams? I think the conference to keep an eye on for me, uh, and I'm not saying Michigan will lose a game. I think they're really damn good. And they got Ohio State at home is, is the ACC. Because FSU doesn't have the easiest schedule. When you look at it, it's an easy schedule. I'm not sure playing the games it's an actual easy schedule. But you still – look, Miami could save their season by beating Florida State and Tallahassee. Florida could save their season by ending the regular season at home beating FSU. Those are easy games. They have two rivalry games coming up. Then they have a road game against Pitt. Are your, are your guys going to be up for those games? And they have Duke this weekend. I agree Michigan should be at one. But then there's North Carolina. Yeah, I mean, say, don't forget about Mac Brown, Brown, man. You're going to have to cheer either for Dabo or Mac, maybe, in that one. Do you want yep. North Carolina? To, can you cheer stomach cheering for Dabo to beat Mac? You probably need to if you keep winning. I, I will say this. If uh, Penn State is going to get over the line, it's going to have to be this year. Mm-hmm. James James Franklin's knocked on the door quite a few times. Yep, I, I think he's got the personnel uh, to do it this year, but his quarterback's young. Uh, so we'll wait and see how that goes. Uh, could, Bobby, could you imagine Penn State getting over the line this year with Manny as the DC? Manny Diaz as the DC and Mike Yersen. Manny Diaz. I mean, Texas Mike 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 <laughs> That'd be awesome. Oh, boy. All right. Hey, guys. Uh, we'll alligator out of here on that one. Alligator tackle out of here on that one. All right. Uh, for Rod Babers and uh, Jerry nice. Hamilton. I'm Bobby Burton. This has been the uh, Sunday Night Live stream brought to you by the Crossroad Group. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for the super chats. Uh, thanks for the questions as well. Big week. Uh, Longhorns get back up on the horse this week. They got the uh, U of H Saturday, I believe, at three o'clock uh, in Houston. Uh, take care now. We'll see you tomorrow morning, eight a.m. We have coffee and football. Myself, Jerry, and Blake Monroe alongside. Uh, everybody, have a good week. Let's go hook them. Hook them.